If you have your Bible this morning, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15? We're going to look at two verses. We're not going to sing anymore. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 and 17. This morning, I'm going to talk with you about the difference that the resurrection makes in our lives. The title of the message is, He is Alive. That's what we're going to talk about. This morning, over a billion people around the world are joining their hearts and lives together as they give honor to the risen Savior. Palm Sunday all over the world today. In every time zone, people are gathering to sing praises to the Lord Jesus. It's the most celebrated event in history. It's more than a nice idea. It's a historical fact. It is so significant, of course, that we date our calendar by it. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, B.C. or A.D. Whenever you write a check, you give credence to the life of Jesus. Well, what's the big deal? Why is it so important? Let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and our faith as well. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul helps us to understand the whole message of the resurrection and to see it as the cornerstone of Christianity. If it weren't for this, obviously we wouldn't be here today. There are over 100 references in the New Testament to the resurrection. Paul is saying if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, we have nothing to believe. We have nothing to preach. All of the martyrs have died in vain. We might as well close up and go on back home. There is no reason for all of us to be here or for any of us to be here if Christ didn't come out of the grave. 1 Corinthians 15.20 gives the word that we all want to hear. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That means, of course, that he is alive today. He's in this service. He's on this world. He's with us. He's in our hearts this morning. That means that uh, he is even more significant than we could have possibly imagined. He has not changed. Not one bit has changed. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed one little bit. He has come to be with us. He has come to love us. He has come to forgive us. He has come to lead us unto himself to walk with him through this life and on into the life beyond. Again, I ask the question, what difference does it make in our lives? This morning, I want us to look at three different benefits that we have because Christ has come up out of the grave. Number one, because Jesus is alive today, his purpose is still 
unchangeable. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ is still in the same business that he has been in for over 2,000 years. What is that business? John 10.10 says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He does not say, I have come so that I can dump some stuff on you. He doesn't say that. You know, some people always want to give Christianity the, uh, the bad look. They always want it to, uh, to look judgmental or to look uh, selfish or to look pious. They always want to put the wrong trappings on what Jesus has so wonderfully done. That's what a lot of people think. They think the Christian life is a bunch of don'ts. But you know what? That's not it at all. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He is in the abundant life business for you and for every individual uh, on this planet today. Have you ever noticed how many commercials talk about living life to your fullest? Basically, all of them say the same thing. You're just not living till you try our product. You know, that's what they're all saying. You know, until you do what we want you to do, until you use our product morning, noon, and night, and then buy some more, uh, you're not uh, living. You're just not getting anything out of life. Why is it that most people are so interested in having a full and complete life? Well, the reason for that is, is that a lot of people are just barely living. They're only existing. They're on sort of an eternal treadmill. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home at night, they eat supper, they watch a little bit of TV, and then they go to bed. It's just kind of a treadmill deal. And they just keep going around and around and around. They aren't living, really, they're only existing. I meet a lot of people who are getting ready to live. One of these days, they say. You know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go there, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to have that. You know, one of these days, one of these days, they say, I'm going to get my life in order. One of these days, I'm going to set the priorities for my life. One of these days, I am going to put God first. One of these days, I'm going to give my family the priority that they deserve in my life. One of these days... I'm going to tell my spouse, you know, I really do love you. One of these days, I'm going to give my life to God. Listen, tomorrow might not come. You know, uh, everybody thinks that uh, this is just going to go on forever. There's a whole lot of people that are in the cemetery today. (laughs) Got to be real careful there. A lot of people are saying one of these days, they're out in the cemetery. Oscar Wilde said a really interesting thing. He, uh, he said a lot of interesting things. The one uh, I think I like the most is that he said, it's a rare thing to find somebody that is really alive. You know, I hope this morning that every one of you that are within the sound of my voice today are really alive. 
because you have committed your heart and your life to the risen Savior. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus' purpose has not changed. It has never changed. It's always been the same. I invite you today, of course, to put your trust and faith in him. Secondly, because Jesus is alive today, his power is still available. Have you noticed how many of the best sellers talk about power? I mean, every book that you see, it seems almost somewhere in there, it talks uh, about how to get power, how to keep power, uh, how to have power all through your life, all through your experience, all about power, how to use it, how to love it. It's all about that. We learn everything about power as we read the bestsellers today. We learn to dress to gain power. We learn to eat for power. We learn to shower for power. We have the power lunch. We wear power ties. Everybody is looking for more power. Jesus says, guess what? My power is available to you. Here we're looking all around. We're trying as hard as we can to get it. And Jesus says, here it is. You can have it. There's no cost to it. It's free. Ephesians 1.19 says, Jesus has power for us who believe. There's a qualifier. You have to be a believer to get his power. He wants to give it to you. But you've got to believe in him before that will happen. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power that caused the resurrection over 2,000 years ago is the power that the Lord wants to give to you today. You might say, well, pastor, what uh, do I need power for? You know, I have a nice home, I have a car, I have plenty to eat. What, what do I need power for? Well, let me ask you, have you ever felt powerless in a situation that you're in? You know, a lot of people get into situations they can't get out of. They think about it, they might even pray about it, but they can't seem to get out of it. It's been going a long time. How in the world do I get out of this situation? Have you ever felt powerless to change a relationship? A lot of us made friends in high school and college, and uh, we, we met some folks in our early life at work, and we made friends with them, or we were in the military with them, or we did this or we did that. We made close friendships. And then as the years passed, we noticed that they changed a little bit. And then five years later, when you got with them again, they changed a little bit more. And then five years later, when you get together with them again, they've changed a little bit more. And guess what? You don't even like them anymore. You know, they've changed. There's something different. And, and you want to get out of it. You want to get out of that relationship. Have you ever felt powerless to change yourself? You know, sometimes uh, families all get together. They get everybody in the family together. 
And they call the person in whose life is falling apart. And the family, they start over on the left, and they go right across the line. They say, John, Joe, Susie, Sally, you need to do this. And then the next person says, you really do. You need to do that. And then the next person says, you know, your life is going to pot. You need to do this. Next person says, you know, you're becoming a failure in life. You need to do this. And everybody in the family speaks out. And that's what the counselor has said. And that's what the books you were reading said. But you can't do it. You can't change yourself. Well, the Lord gives you power to do those kinds of things. Have you ever felt powerless to change a bad habit? All of us have some habits that uh, we wished we didn't have. Some people drive too fast on the freeway. I mean, they drive 100 miles an hour. And uh, you want to get out of the way. Have you ever had a personal crisis that you felt powerless to get through? Let me say to you here today, there is nothing beyond God's power. He can help you with that. Sometimes we need the power to start over. You may be here this morning, everything in your life seems to be falling apart. You know, a lot of people have, you know, troubles seems like they don't come like strangers in the night. They come like battalions. They all get there at the same time, and everything goes wrong. It's, uh, you feel like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses, all the king's men can't put you together again. And you think, what in the world am I going to do? Well, it might be true that the soldiers and the horses can't do it, but God can. God can put you back together and make you better than you have ever been before. How do I get my life off dead center? Have you ever had somebody ask you that? I've had a lot of people ask me that through the years. Did you know that NASA says the most power needed in a rocket is when it's there on the launch path and to get it off the ground, that's when they need the very most power. To get it up in the air. You know, once it's out in space, you know, it doesn't take hardly any power to move it. But boy, getting it off that launch pad is very, very difficult. You know, when you're lifting uh, millions of pounds, I don't know how many tons one of those things weighs, but they, they got to get that thing up and going. It takes a lot of power. And you say, well, how do I get my life off dead center? Where's the power for that? You need God's power experienced through Jesus Christ, it is available. If he raised his son from the dead, God has the power for you. It's a snap for him. It's not hard at all. He just speaks the command, and it happens. Sometimes we need the power to keep going. Have you ever gotten halfway through something and, and just lost your strength, lost your power, and you just sat down? You said, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to finish this or not. And then you don't. Have you ever gotten halfway through a career and wondered, is, is this all there is to this? Have you ever gotten halfway through a marriage and wondered, did I make a mistake? 
Have you ever gotten halfway through life and wondered, I hope the second half is better than the first half. Listen, God not only gives us starting power to get off dead center, he also gives us staying power that will help us to finish what we've started, to empower the relationships and the situations that we're in so that in that relationship, in that situation, we can honor the risen Lord. Because Jesus is alive today, his purpose never changes, and his power is still available. Some of us this morning need a word of encouragement. We need that more than anything else. You know, one of the things that is great about Trinity Baptist Church is that there are a lot of people here who are very mature in their faith. Now, that's a great thing. You know, you go to some of these churches, and it seems like they're all teenagers. They're singing real, real loud. And they're banging on the drums. and You know, I mean, it's loud. And you wonder here, as you look at that situation, who knows how to encourage somebody here today? You know, the, the folks that have had a few years, Some people here today have been walking with Jesus for 70 years. They have grown and grown and grown in their faith. Well, they know the verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And those are the folks that encourage us to know that verse and to appropriate that verse into our daily walk. We can have that strength, that power that the Lord wants us to have. I'm glad I don't have to struggle through life on my own power. I don't know if I could make it. You know, there are a lot of stresses and pressures on us. They come from every angle, every different day. Uh, it's, It's tough. We need the strength that we get from standing together as the people of God. I, I just love it when we have one of these real strong hymns that we all know and we sing it together. And, you know, people get into it and they really, you know, begin to kind of give it, you know, strong and hard. Boy, I tell you what, it's, it's a wonderful experience. I went back to the seminary where I went years ago and in chapel uh, every day they, they always sing a, a great hymn of the faith. And about uh, 30% of the guys there are music majors. And, of course, they can really sing. You know, they've got great voices. And so I I went in. I hadn't been there in about 15 years, and I sat down. And uh, 2,000 of us stood up together, and they sang, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Well, I tell you what, I about rededicated my life right there. I mean, it was strong. It was strong. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to encourage each other to come along beside somebody and encourage them and tell them they might be on the wrong path. Say, hey, wait a minute. You're going the wrong way. You need to be on this path over here. This is the path that honors the Lord Jesus. What difference does the resurrection make? It makes a big difference. 
It means that Jesus is still in the life-changing business. That's his purpose. It also means that the power to do that is still available. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can come into your life. It is available to you. Someone said to Joseph of Arimathea, that is such a beautiful tomb. I mean, so nice. It's, I know it's very expensive. It was hand-carved. It's just the nicest one I've ever seen. Why in the world would you let somebody else be buried in that? Joseph said, well, he only wanted it for the weekend. <laughs> Jesus gave power to the hiding and scared disciples. They were scared to death. They were huddled up in a room. They were afraid that knock on the door was going to come. It was going to be those soldiers that were after them that would take them out and crucify them. You know, it was uh, scary, scary. Seeing then and knowing the resurrected Christ gradually gave them power and courage that they became literally evangelists. For the Lord Jesus Christ. They went out. They didn't care about anything else or anybody else. They went out and shared the good news of the gospel with all the populace. They didn't care who they were or where they were from. They just started talking to them about Jesus. Thirdly, because Jesus is alive today, his promises are still reliable. You know, when you read through the New Testament, you realize that Jesus made some unbelievable promises. I mean, they were just far out. I'm sure the people of that day thought, boy, he can't do all that. What in the world is he thinking? Well, there's a lot of promises. I mean, a lot of promises. If Jesus were dead, he obviously couldn't keep any of those promises. But because Jesus is alive today... Those promises are still reliable, and we can count on them. There are over 7,000 promises in God's Word. A promise is only as dependable as the one that makes the promise. If God makes a promise to you, you can bet on it. You can stake your life on it because it is going to come true. At Cornell University, they did a study of POWs from World War II. They studied the inhumane situations that those men and women had to go through. It's just unbelievable. The pain, the stress, the sorrow, it was just awful. They realized something after they had been studying this for a good while, that you can stand almost anything. You can stand isolation, you can stand beatings, you can stand this, you can stand that, if you have hope. If you have hope, you can stand. Well, the moment that hope is gone, it's over. You can't live without hope. Christ gives us a whole life full of hope. Let me ask you this morning, what is the source of your hope? Is it the federal government? Listen, something that bothers me, it might not bother you. Obviously, it's not bothering any of our politicians. 
Our national debt is between 19 and 20 trillion, trillion with a T, dollars. One day, I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, I don't know. But one day, that bill is going to be due. And guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to cut out our military. We're going to have to cut out helping our POWs. We're going to have to quit working through the VA. We're going to have to cut out Medicare and Medicaid. We're going to have to stop all that because we've got to pay the debt. You know, if you have all your trust in this government, you're on the wrong road. I don't know how to say that any stronger. Is, is uh, your hope in public opinion? You know, uh, I've always liked Bill Cosby. I've always liked him a lot. You know, he was kind of one of my heroes. When I was a little kid, he was in a thing uh, with another guy. They were detectives, and I watched that every time. It was great. I just loved it. And then I followed him, you know, all through his career and all these things, and he was just great, you know. He was had gave fatherly advice on TV to his family, and I mean, it just got better and better and better. Well, then guess what? There's umpteen different lawsuits against him for stuff that he's done in the past that were terrible. You know, public opinion shifts in about five minutes. You can be right on top of everything, and then you can be in the, in the bottom. You can be in the ditch. I hope that your hope is not in winning the lottery. Last night I asked my wife Cindy to uh, look up on the computer, what are your chances of winning the lottery? Uh, they're one in 14 million. That's your chance of winning the lottery. So if you're putting all your eggs in that basket, you're in big trouble. Let me ask you, are those things that you're putting your faith in, are they reliable? Are they reliable? Is it faultless? I submit this morning to you that the only thing in this world that is totally reliable, without any doubt, are the promises of Jesus. They are reliable. You can count on them. Nothing's going to come out in the newspaper that's going to correct that. Nothing is going to come out that's going to change that. Doesn't matter what any of the governments do. Nothing, nothing is ever going to change that. Well, the promises of God, they're there. They're real. Many of them have already come true. There are a few more that are going to come true. We don't know when. Because Jesus is alive today, if he said it, it's going to happen. You can count on it. I want to share with you this morning in closing a few of his promises. There's over 7,000, so I'm not going to do all of them today. But uh, I, I want to select a few that might be helpful. Are you in financial trouble? Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. Are you worried about death? John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me 
has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So there's life ahead for you if you're walking with our Lord. Salvation, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock. You open the door, I will come in to you, and will fellowship with you. Now those are the verses that we ought to hold to. Those are the promises that are there for us this morning. It says that a Christian is one who says, Jesus is Lord. That means he is the number one priority in your life. That is what it means to be a Christian. He said, if you invite me to come into your life, I will. I'll come right in. And you say, could it be that simple? Yes, it is. It's that simple. You invite him in, he comes in. It's that simple. Trust me, Jesus said. Trust me. Now let's go back to the original question this morning. What difference does it make that Jesus was resurrected over 2,000 years ago? The answer is absolutely nothing unless you have taken advantage of the benefits that go along with that. Unless you establish a relationship with him because he is alive today. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. Now, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about this group, that group, that cult, this religion way over there, this religion over here. I'm talking about a relationship. You may be Catholic, you may be Protestant, you may be Jewish. It doesn't matter. Religion will not save you. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Jesus Christ is God's attempt to get to you. It's just the opposite of what so many are trying to do. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Well, today is every day, particularly on this Palm Sunday morning. We want to invite any that are in the house that don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior to trust in him, to believe in him, to commit your life to him, to claim his promises. They're wonderful promises. To claim them, you can have them. His power is available to you. All you need to do is ask him for it. Today, if there's anybody in the house that's never trusted, believed in Christ, we pray that you would. Just slip to the aisle, slip down front, take a stand for Jesus. If you're here, you've been visiting with us for a period of time, you'd like to be a part of a Bible-teaching, believing church. Well, I want to say to you today, that uh, that's exactly what we're trying to be. And we want you to come and join us and help us as we try and get the message of Christ out even further than we have before. I'll be standing down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out and come and take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand as we